Welcome to the Farcast Bonus Edition. I'm Harry Jennings, producer for the show. This week, Michael Farr welcomes special guest Dr. Jeffrey Lacker. Dr. Lacker is Distinguished Professor of Economics at Virginia Commonwealth University and former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. Michael and Dr. Lacker continued their conversation after we wrapped the third segment, and I kept the tape rolling. We are glad to present you with this bonus edition with more discussion of the markets, economy, and the potential consequences of our policy path. And now, from May 20th, 2020, Michael Farr and Dr. Jeffrey Lacker. Can I take like 30 seconds and go get a glass of water? Oh, absolutely. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that old song by the band, you know, uh, Stage Fright, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> my hands get sweaty and my, my mouth gets dry. You know, for all the stages I've seen you on, holy crap, nervous <laughs> is not you. Well, you know, you can learn to act as if you're not nervous. And That's still true. be, you know, and still get the butterflies. I mean, I told people over the years, you know, yeah, the butterflies are your friends. Yeah, they, they visit you every time. <laughs> That's happens. true. But you, you learn to, you know, maybe it's sort of a mindfulness thing, you know. You learn to say hello to them, warmly embrace them, welcome them <laughs> back. They're an old friend of yours. Yeah. But go on with life. You can make a case for the equity markets where they are. Great. That's fabulous. Wow. Yeah. I'd, 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 I'd love to hear it. And that's, I mean, the back of the envelope know. kind of thing. I mean, if if you look at Great. the CEO numbers, you know, uh, yeah. So starting four quarters from now or a few quarters from now, we're like down, um, you know, five or six percent maybe. Yeah. As you said, you know, fourth quarter over fourth quarter. Well, if nominal GDP from then on just grows at the rate it's capable of growing at, which is about the rate it was capable of growing at as of fourth quarter last year. Which would be what, 2%? Yeah, plus, and then you add on top of it, then, you know, then a a downward level adjustment is about, right, if dividends, uh, you know, and returns are about proportional nominal GDP. And then you add on top of that, that, not, that interest rates have fallen, you know, the pet, Expected path of interest the has to have coming down. Well, on the yield curve gives you another reason to to boost equity valuation. So between the two of them, this doesn't seem like an implausible level. Mark, if, if you think they were okay in the fourth quarter last year, so that's that's the that's which I you know not so much. Twenty five trillion in debt is a whole lot of debt, and we're adding to it by bucketfuls. It seems. When is when is too much debt? Too much debt. That's a good question, and we're not gonna we're we're not gonna find out until we get there. So far, the Fed has <laughs> that doesn't make me feel better. No, and and it's a kind of thing, uh, you know, uh, like going bankrupt. You know, you it happens gradually, and then suddenly, all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so it's it it's it's something that so far seems pretty well under control. I mean it. Between the Fed and foreign investors, people seem um, happy to hold U.S. Um, federal debt at very low interest rates, very low yields. Now, if that starts changing, it could change fast, and it could it could pose real problems for monetary policy and for um, our federal budgetary situation. But so far, it looks okay. But it it definitely the course we're on heightens the risk, no doubt about it, down the road.
if it stops, if it stops looking okay, I'm, I guess I'm saying what what would some of the warning signs be uh, that uh, perhaps we have our, our debt is is going too far and. Can the Fed? I mean, I you know I, I'm not uh, I, I'm not a subscribe I don't subscribe to this notion of moder- modern monetary theory. Uh, it does strike me that there that the Fed can't keep rates at zero forever, no matter how much of our paper they buy, because sooner or later somebody's going to go. That's enough. But am I wrong? No, you're not. And more to the point here for for the federal debt is that the Fed can't keep buying. Treasury securities forever. I mentioned the liquidity buffers that the banking system holds. When yes. the Fed buys Treasury securities, it it does it by creating bank reserves. Um, bank reserves and Treasury securities are both part of the banking system's um, liquidity buffer. Um, now, res- bank reserves, the accounts they have with the Federal Reserve, what the the Fed uses to buy securities, are they're, they're kind of perfect substitutes. You know. Do you want a Fed IOU or a Treasury IOU? Right. When the when the Fed buys all of the Treasuries and agency debt that the the banks hold, at that point, if they buy more out on the open market from people that aren't in the banking system, if they go further, they're going to force banks' balance sheets to adjust, and it's going to adjust in a a way that's not that unpredictable. It's it's going to force banks themselves to borrow in the market to fund those those um, right. reserve balances. That's what causes inflation. And yep. that's where all bets are off. I mean, it's been relatively benign environment now. The Fed can buy and sell assets pretty easily. But at that point, things get squirrely. All right. I'm going to change the topic just a little bit uh, uh, while we still have a, a minute or two um, and say, uh, let's talk just about the unemployment part of, of the economy. Uh, we now have maybe 30 million or 35 million folks who are, uh, are unemployed. Um, maybe those numbers continue to go up, but seem to be over the next oh, several weeks. Um, what does that mean when you've got a workforce of maybe 160 million people more or less and you have that many unemployed how long, I mean, just mechanically, uh, Jeff, does it take for those people to get jobs again? And with the state of the hospitality uh, industry and airlines and everything else, who's, where are the jobs going to come from for those people? I mean, how long yeah. does this take? I think, I think it depends. On, it all depends on the virus. If, if we can get this virus under control and get to a point where people aren't afraid to behave the way they did in the in January, then all the industries, all the sectors, all the businesses that made sense then are going to make sense again. And we, we won't have the problem that we often have coming out of a recession, which is that there were a lot of workers in one sector before the recession. Think of housing construction going into yes. 2008, right? And yes. We don't want to do that. We don't want that economic activity anymore. And we have to, as a society, the what the problem the economy has to solve is that we have to figure out places for them to find work. And that's a tough problem. The skills, you know, the skills aren't quite a good match for the sectors like healthcare that are expanding. But we know, we we won't have that problem if we get back to a point where 
the virus isn't affecting people's behavior. Now, that's a big qualification because it could be quite some time before people feel safe traveling on airplanes or gathering in restaurants or going to sporting arenas. So there's some sectors that could be kind of suppressed for a while. And then it's then it's a matter of the challenge of the, the people laid off in those sectors. Can we find other productive things for them to do? And to the extent that that's the problem we're solving, it could take a while like it did after the last recession. So is it reasonable then to think that uh, this could last a year or two in this uh, recessed, depressed kind of a way? I think it will take at least a year to get back to um, any semblance of where we were. I I don't think we'll be back to where we were before a year and a half from now or two. Um, Okay. So... All right. Uh, in the in the list of, of, of things that I struggle to understand and, and uh, these sorts of economic discussions are actually fascinating to me. And I always learn so much when I get to talk to you, uh, particularly after I think about it for a while and say, oh, yeah, that's what he meant. I take notes, by the way, Jeff, I do uh, just so that I make sure I try and understand it. And the list of things I truly don't understand. And I call I've been calling this the second concurrent black swan event is the price of oil. Uh, And when we talk about jobs lost in this country uh, that had probably very little to do uh, with this shutdown at at the time, uh, came from the oil market and this complete collapse in the price of oil. I got to tell you, I do not understand how the, uh, I I do understand how that, those futures contracts collapsed. I don't know exactly how they got to minus 37 (laughs) and it bounced back to 30. And they did that in in an afternoon as I was watching. No, I still don't understand that. And I've been doing this 30 some odd years. Uh, Can you explain, please, what's going on with the price of oil? And it seems to be so artificial and random that it's not really a good uh, indicator of what's going on in the economy. I mean, it used to be that, you know, economic growth meant that you had good oil prices because people were using the stuff. I don't know what it means anymore. Oil is a tricky market. So the demand for um, oil and all the products that derive from it are clearly driven by economic activity, um, especially travel. And that fell off dramatically. Now, how the market deals with that, how that shows up in oil prices depends on the structure of supply. And in, you know, in our world today, it's a very managed supply uh, process. Uh, There are different players. There are large strategic players. There are fringe players that pump whatever they can and try and sell whatever they can. I think what happened earlier this year was, um, you know, some large strategic players having a fight. And the way they decided to have a fight was to um, uh, essentially play a game of chicken, um, keep producing and see who was going to blink first uh, and get out and back out of the market. Um, I think they've gotten back to a place where things are kind of managed. But in the meanwhile, we've built up this huge amount of inventories. And yeah. Um, you know, the overhang of that's going to last a, a little while. Um, you've got people, you know, in the U.S., people back out of the market. You know, people shut down drilling rigs and also activity slows here. It's part of the general supply response. Um, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it'll be restored because, you know, aren't that many players that are going to produce at negative, negative um, margins uh, for very long. Give us just as we finish up here, 
as as we go forward, the uh, we have certain areas of the economy that, are, at least in business and corporate America, that are continuing at a reasonable pace. Whether it's the big tech companies, healthcare companies, some of the consumer staple companies, Procter and Gamble, Pepsi Cola, uh, those companies seem to be pretty well positioned. How does how does this roll back this uh, renaissance of the U.S. economy? Uh, what what is it what is it going to look like? Um, and is it are we going to require a vaccine for this disease uh, in order to get the, in order to get back to normal? I mean, are we all is that the real timing that we're waiting for? Yeah. So to get fully back, a, you know, a vaccine uh, might be the ultimate control measure that we really need. But I think in the meantime, um, there's a lot we can do. I think the the lockdowns that were implemented uh, by by policy in mid to in mid March. Uh, we're a very blunt instrument, and I think the name of the game now is to figure out ways um, to achieve the same level of suppression of transmission of the virus with less economic cost. So figure out things that we can do safely right. uh, th- that was were just shut down after, out of an abundance of caution in mid-March. And so you've seen there are factories that you know, kind of figured out what kind of spacing, what kind of protocols they need to do this. Now, the protocols are costly. People are having to scramble to buy their own uh, testing uh, arrangements, put them in place. So um, that kind of thing, it could probably be better done and people figure out a better way to do it over time. But I think in the period ahead, the next several months, it's going to be figuring out how to bring back as much of life and, and economic activities, we can without jeopardizing, without increasing the rate at which the virus is transmitted. Are you, uh, okay, so finally, here's my here's my big question for you. You still own stocks? You're gonna stay invested in stocks? <laughs> or we, are we going to gold bars and, uh, you know, guns and butter here? No, 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 I'm, st- I'm still in there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still hanging in there. Okay, uh, his, money, his money is where his mouth is, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Lacker of Virginia Commonwealth University School of Business. He is a distinguished professor in the Department of Economics, former president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, and uh, a great friend and a fabulous guest. I've learned so much. Thank you so much for being on the Farcast. My pleasure, Michael. Take care and be well. Be safe. Thank you to you and your family, too. Stay safe. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for another Farcast. Thanks so much for joining us again this week. We will be back next week with some fabulous guests. Uh, We hope to continue to try and explain this intersection of Wall Street, Washington, and the world. For the Farcast in Naples, Florida, I'm Michael Farr. See you next week. Thanks for being with us on this special edition of The Farcast, and thanks to Michael's special guest, Dr. Jeffrey Lacker. The Farcast comes to you each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please subscribe and share with a friend. We'll be back with you next week, bringing you more experts and insiders on The Farcast. Wall Street, Washington, and the world. <laughs>